everybody. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined by Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. So how are you guys doing this week? Good, good. I'm good. All right, so let's start out with some promote extend trade. And in 1935, Hachiko died. Now, does that name ring a bell for you guys? Vaguely. Not really at all. Vaguely, vaguely is a good start, I guess. Um, he is actually uh, a dog. Hachiko is an Akita, and famous. Yep, yep. Famously, he followed his owner to the train station and then waited there every day to come home. And this went on for years. And in 1925. The owners, the owner died at work from a brain hemorrhage and he never came home. And basically for the next 10 years, the dog who became a stray just went to the train station every day to wait for his owner. Very sad. And I think a similar story that more people would be familiar with is the story of Seymour who waited for his owner in front of Panucci's pizza every day and he never came back. Uh, sure Steve, would you like to enlighten us as to the name of the owner? Uh, his name was one Philip J. Fry. <laughs> uh, so, in honor of what is probably universally agreed upon as the saddest moment in any cartoon, what are we going to promote extend trade of these other gut-wrenching moments in animation <laughs> history? Um, I guess which ones like affect you the most and, and what affects you a little less? And, you know, if anybody cries here, it's completely, you know, we're, we're, this is non-toxic masculinity, it's okay. So, first off, we have the scene in Game of Tones, another Futurama episode, where Fry visited his mother in a dream, and he's finally able to say goodbye to her. Next up, we have the scene in Land Before Time. When Littlefoot's mother dies, and he spends the next couple of moments confused and mourning her. And then last, but certainly not emotionally least, is uh, when Dumbo's mother got locked away after she tried to protect him. And the two were able to embrace Trunks for just a couple of moments before then she got taken away. Did you ever think you'd say embrace Trunks on this podcast before today? Probably not. But we, we go where a lot of other people don't, so. <laughs> we go literally to the land before time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm not familiar with that episode of Futurama, so was that after the original run? Because I kind of stopped watching it after the uh, the original Cartoon Network run. Yeah, it was the last series. One gotcha, of the last, yeah. One of the last episodes. Um, so I'm going to trade that uh, because I'm, I'm not particularly familiar with it, and I am going to extend Dumbo and his mother and promote Littlefoot just because of fondness for the movies I'm in gonna, that order. I'm going to promote the Futurama episode because I remember that episode more than um, – Dumbo or Land Before Time, but I watched Land Before Time and Dumbo, so I'm going to extend. I'm going to, um, I mean, promote um, the Land Before Time scene and then trade Dumbo because I've seen that movie like twice. (laughs) Fair. 
Fair. Yeah, I'm trading Dumbo because it's like just that kind of one moment. The rest of the movie was kind of upbeat, I guess. Yeah, Dumbo. Uh, a lot of a lot of good breaks happened for him after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, if I recall correctly. <laughs> I'm definitely extending Land Before Time though because uh, just I haven't seen it since I was a little kid. But literally, I could not go through that movie without crying. And I don't want to watch it because I probably will cry again if I did watch it now. Oh, yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, and then um, promoting Game of Thrones. Because it was sad, but it was like a happy sad, too, you know? So. Yeah. I agree. Since, since you haven't seen a canon for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it, basically, there's a catastrophe... That's going to destroy Earth, and the only way to prevent it is to go back in Fry's memories and uh, get the solution. So they basically send Fry into his his memories, his dreams, whatever it was. And, you know, since he was kind of seeing simulcrums of his his past life in, in the present, he wanted to stay in his dreams. And then they eventually had to drag him out. But since he did save the day, the Nibelonians were able to give him, you know, one last moment with his mother in hard dreams. So poignant, sad, but, you know, happy kind of at the same time. <sighs> All right. That was emotionally draining. So first thing we'll do this week is we'll update our way too early draft picks. Um, first up, I guess I'll go. Um, my guy was CJ Van Eyck, and he started against Duke this week, and he allowed a run over six innings, which brings his season total to a 131 ERA in 20.2 innings with 11 hits allowed, 12 walks, and 25 strikeouts. Ken, how'd your guy do? Uh, you know, he was having a pretty pedestrian week in, uh, which, in which he, he didn't hit a home run. Uh, bringing his season line to a, you know, not, not as good <laughs> 426, 492, 778 through 54 at bats. Um, but today he hit a double and a home run, bringing his triple slash to 424, 485, 813. And he now has six homers and five doubles. On the year, and uh, yeah, seems good. Things are uh, yeah, things are still looking up for. <laughs> Mr. Likelihood, likelihood of the, him being around when the Mets pick. It was already low. It's it's looking lower just, as of the current time. <laughs> we need him to be a little more pedestrian then. Yes. Thomas, how about your guy? Um. I had Pete Crow Armstrong, and uh, their his high school's Twitter account finally started to put out stats and stuff. So I'm not 100% sure if it's the if these are all the games he's played so far. I'm gonna end up like actually like combing. I'll follow them on Twitter and like comb through his stats more closely. But in over two games, he went five for eight with a double, a grand slam, and seven RBI. So I think he's I I, I think he's good. Um. He's started hot and well. He's gonna have to be a little worse if he's gonna be where the Mets are picking. 
So <laughs> yeah, that'll a week like that that'll do. <laughs> he should he, he should get on that um right away if he wants to be a future Met superstar. Mm. Uh well Lucas is unable to join us currently, but his guy Reed Detmers had a pretty good uh week this week. He he got picked up by Pitching Ninja because he had a crazy game um and was showing off his crazy curveball. He went six innings and allowed four hits while striking out fifteen. So that'll that'll play. And that brings his season to a one twenty three ERA in twenty two innings with six walks and forty eight strikeouts. So <laughs> an impressive accumulation of strikeouts, definitely. Yeah, that's wild. I, I always love seeing those types of stat lines when like mm-hmm. someone is way too good for the league that they're in or just whatever it may be. It always makes me laugh. Against Ole Miss, he had nine strikeouts. And then the next, his next three games, so it was nine, 14, 10, 15. Jesus. I'm going to calculate the K per nine real fast. A lot. Divided by 22. Yeah, it's like 19 if I did it right. <laughs> All right. Well, 19.6 to be precise. That cannot be right. Those are video game numbers. Uh, nine times K's divided by innings. No, I did not do that right. <laughs> oh, hold up. 48 divided by 22 times nine. No, I did do that right. 19.6. All right, well. <laughs> Fascinating radio. That will definitely play in college baseball. Yep. Yep. Going to go ahead and say he's probably a little too good for the ACC right now. <sighs> yeah. All right, so last week we went back in time a little bit, and we checked in on all those prep selections from the draft that didn't sign. And this week we're going to go back in time a little bit again. I figure since this is our 50th episode, um, that we'd we'd each go back and look at our very first form reports that we did. And I, I was trying to search for something completely separate the other day using AA search function, which is very bad. Oh, (laughs) And, yeah, basically I had to literally go back into the archives of every single post that I've ever written since, you know, 2012. (laughs) And there's been a lot of them. But inadvertently, I I found my first form report that I ever did, and I I got a kick out of it because some of the names and stuff that was happening. So I figured, you know, you guys are a little bit more recent, but, I mean, look at, oh, yeah, that guy. There can be guys that literally played you know, a year ago that just were kind of generic and unforgettable that we completely have blocked out inadvertently. So my first report came on, where is it here? Here we go, July 16th, 2012. So in the first game, Pawtucket beat the Buffalo Bisons 5-4. to four. Colin McHugh had a pretty solid start. He went six innings and he led three runs. Uh, I wrote that it was a very solid, if unspectacular, start by the very solid, if unspectacular, Colin McHugh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it, It went 14 innings 
And Matt Decker went one for seven. Not that great. Val Pasucci, he hit a homer, and he went two for seven. Manny Acosta was pitching, and he lowered his AAA ERA to 1.59. Jason Bay was rehabbing. Oh, no. <laughs> he went two for four with a walk and a stolen base. And uh, Andy LaRoche walked the game off for Pawtucket. And Mark Pryor pitched two scoreless innings. Mark Those, Pryor. I had no idea he was ever involved with the Red Sox organization. I, don't I mean, this is... Involved. Didn't yeah, you go through, like, way. seven different teams trying to, like, you know, yeah, resurrect his back. career? Yep. I forgot about all that. Mm-hmm. Here, I'll pull up the list. That's... Uh, Wikipedia. That only, uh, yeah. He's, um... Seems like a guy that the Mets would be very interested in. <laughs> Former All Star <laughs> doesn't wouldn't really cost much. Uh, looks like he spent some time with the Padres, Rangers, Yankees, Red Sox, and Reds before finally hanging it up. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, and the fact that he, I mean, when you think Mark Pryor, you think like the early two thousands. The fact yeah. that he is still kind of chugging along in the early twenty tens. Um, all right. Oh, so. he's currently the pitching coach for the Dodgers. Oh, is he now? I, I, I did not no know idea. that. Yeah. Me neither. At Was what he... level? Uh, all Wikipedia is telling me is he's currently the pitching coach for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, okay. <laughs> that I, Something tells me that's not correct. <laughs> I will look that up. Steve, feel free to continue, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Good for wh- wherever he's coaching. Good for no, yep, though. he is. That's huh. wild. Life comes he, at you fast, guys. He. This is his first season. Yeah, he took over for uh, Honeycutt. Yeah. Ah. Okay. One of my favorite names of all time. He was the bullpen coach for two years, and before that, he was the Padres minor league pitching coordinator. So he's been like try- trying to get into coaching for a minute. Well, he's got a pretty solid staff to work with there. Yeah. So I feel super old right now because I remember when he was the next big thing. Yeah, me too. And had like mm-hmm. a season and a half, very Matt Harvey-ish career. Yeah, the similarities are definitely. I am uh, gonna go drink away the pain. <laughs> so what you're saying is Matt Harvey is the future Dodgers pitching coach. Maybe. <laughs> I could see it. All right, here's a team now that doesn't even exist anymore. The Binghamton Mets. They beat up on Erie 13-3. to Juan Lagares went 2-5. for five. Good for him. Reese Havens was still playing. He went 0-4, but he did walk, so that's good. Second baseman Wilmer Flores. He went 2-5 for five with a home run. But the star of the game was definitely Gonzalez Hermen, who went eight innings. And allowed three runs. Didn't strike out too many guys, though. Um, also, back in the day, we kind of did all of our reports kind of manually. So we just kind of picked, like, the best performances and, and the, the prospects of note. I didn't even go back. I, I clicked on the first score, the, the Buffalo score, and 
MILB.com wasn't even loading it. I'm, I'm assuming it was just an issue on my part because they do keep records of everything. But I don't even know who else was on the uh, on these teams, but I'm sure they were equally oh, fun. Oh, yeah, that guy Yeah. Yes, yes. Next up, we had the St. Lucie Mets, and they beat the Brefford County Manatees 7-3. <laughs> um, Tyler Pill, he pitched seven innings and allowed seven uh, and struck out seven. Danny Munoz, he played. Travis Tyrone was was still going at it. Adderlyn Rodriguez, he went 0 for 5, and he committed an error. That's a very Adderlyn night. Corey Vaughn was still playing. He went 2 for 4. And Mike Baxter was doing some rehab, and he was DHing and went 2 for 4 with two RBIs. Now, this is 2012, so this was actually, I'm assuming, the injury that he sustained um rehab it was rehabbing the injury from the the no hitter i'm guessing that the time the timelines kind of work out it is the kind of middle of july uh we have another team that doesn't exist anymore the savannah sad nets and they lost to the lakewood blue Claws 6 to 3 um in terms of position players, nobody really jumps out at you that I have written here. Uh, Cameron, Albert Cordero, Gilbert Gomez, Matt Reynolds, uh, he, he made it to the majors somehow, so that's good. Um, pitching wise, Chasen Bradford, he pitched an inning, but he did allow three runs, so that's not good. And Domingo Tapia, he was pitching. He, Pitched for uh, and one third of an inning, gave up three runs. The command was shaky, which is typical Tapia, but he was touching 98 miles per hour on the radar gun. It's too bad that he never uh, really panned out. <clears throat> Going down now, Brooklyn. They beat State College. Louis Sessa was pitching, and. In terms of position players, we have Brandon Nimmo, who went two nice. for four, Phil Evans, zero for four, Kevin Plowecki, went one for four, and then we had good old Jace Boyd. He went zero for four, but he did walk. That's um, an interesting Brooklyn team. Yeah, I mean, 2012 was basically their you know super rotation that year, so. Yeah. A fun year in terms of pitching, but basically like every single year, you know, offense in Brooklyn is just never really showing up. And then all the way at the bottom, we have Kingsport, and they were supposed to play Johnson City, but it got rained out. So I gave the star of the night to Dustin Martin, who I have no recollection of (laughs) (laughs) whatsoever. Uh, he was playing with, he played in that game with Binghamton, and he went two for five with two triples, two okay. runs, That's and four fair. RBI. That's a fair one. Mm-hmm. And then I gave the go to the night to Dylan Owen because he gave up a homer in the 14th inning and basically blew the game for Buffalo. That's not what you want. No. So yeah, that was, uh, kind of, Boring day, I guess. Nothing really 
crazy to happen. All right, uh, Ken, you are next in terms of when you came on board. So what happened on your first day? So I thought I did one in 2018, but I didn't find it when I went through Chorus, our um, you know media editor. So I think my first one was among in the first week of last season. So uh, really, not as great <laughs> content for this exercise, but. Hmm. Uh, I do have one future, oh yeah, that guy, um, participant, I guess, in right-handed pitcher Chris Vial. Oh, oh, my man. Retired probably two or three weeks after this game on April 6th, uh, 2019. Yeah, so, it, it would have been close. Yeah, so he, he retired shortly after and was a late season, oh yeah, that guy, I think. Um, but yeah, not, not as fun. Uh, AAA Syracuse was rained out. Um, somebody in the comments made a joke that that didn't happen when we were in Vegas, but <laughs> that is very true. I'll take the rainouts. <laughs> uh, Binghamton lost to New Hampshire five to four, and uh, Andres Jimenez had an okay day with a triple and two Ks. Sam Haggerty had one of those days that where he just ripped the cover off the ball. It went three for five with a double and a triple and a stolen base. Not bad. Uh, Patrick Mazika had a rough day behind the plate going 0 for 3 uh, with an error, uh, but did have two walks. Let's see. My future favorite player, Michael Paez, went 1 for 4 <laughs> with a caught stealing. And uh, Chris Mazza had a pretty good day through six innings, five hits, two runs, Two walks and six Ks. So, future his, big leaguer Chris Mazza. His great Red his, Sox fifth starter. Yeah, that's true. His great Mets uncle, franchise uh, icon. <laughs> his great uncle Joe DiMaggio would be proud. Yes. <laughs> and he's uh, playing for the Red Sox. Blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't didn't the uh, didn't one of the DiMaggio brothers wasn't he a legend for the Red Sox? I think I think so. I think one of his brothers played for them. Look at there were there were several DiMaggios. Well, none of them were Mets players. So. Yeah, true. Yeah. A little before the Mets time, but uh, yeah, moving on. <laughs> uh, the St. Lucie Mets lost four to two to the Bradenton Pirates. Uh, among the players rehabbing at the start of the season were uh, one of my favorites, Todd Frazier, a fellow son of the Garden State, who went over three playing first and third base for the St. Lucie Mets. I think and he's from Tom's River. Oh uh, yeah, it rings a bell. Hmm. Pretty sure. <laughs> there's no for, can, there's no way for us to prove it. He doesn't yeah. talk. I'm going to go ahead and say that I can confirm that. <laughs> um, <laughs> breaking news. Uh Travis Darno also rehabbed. Uh, Ooh. Going 1 for 4 with an RBI and a strikeout behind the plate. Uh, in his, what, he, he was a Met for like three weeks. <laughs> oh yeah. Last season. If even. Uh, so this was like the immediate aftermath of the beef with Devin Mezzarocco. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's not, not a whole lot else here. Uh, Carlos Cortez went one for four with an error. Um, Tommy Wilson. Wilson threw five innings and gave up four runs with two strikeouts and a walk. 
and Joe Cavallero contributed two innings of scoreless relief, along with Yizo Campos and Blake Taylor, who both also contributed scoreless innings in relief. Uh, but yeah, no, they lost to Bradenton. And then Columbia also lost 6-1 to Charleston mm. in the, uh, the sort of South Carolina, you know, beef game. <laughs> Ronnie Barbecue Mauricio. What's up? Barbecue beef game. Barbecue beef game, yes. Um, Ronnie Mauricio went two for two with a walk, an error, and a stone, and a caught stealing. Mark Vientos went 0 for 3 with a walk and a strikeout. Uh, let's see. Ranfia Doan went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Lots of Ks. Uh, as was the huge for yeah. Columbia last season. And Jose Buto, uh, went 2.2 innings, giving up five hits, four runs, two earned, two walks, striking out three and earning the loss. So I went Jose with Sam Haggerty for the star of the night, and Jose Buto was the goat of the night, only contributing 2.2 innings, and his team, you know, kind of imploded. So, yeah, well, he he tried, but unfortunately for Buto, there's you know really not too much, not too much there for him. Oh, you don't say. Yep. <laughs> I feel anyway. like I had him as the goat of the night like four times last year. Yeah. Well, it happens when your stuff is not the best, but yeah. whatever. Um, moving on. Um, so mine was, my first one was May, uh, 19th. Well, May 20th was when it, it was the games were on May 19th and it came out May 20th. Um, so the 17 and 26 Las Vegas 51s lost to Tacoma, um, 10 to 6, where Drew Gagnon did not have a good game. Um, four and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, he gave up six runs, but only... Yeah, he gave up six earned runs, sorry. Um, the I think the highlight of this game is Dom Smith played right field. Um, <laughs> that would be a highlight. <laughs> because it was like, oh, they're actually putting him in right field. Um, he went 0 for 3 with a walk and a strikeout, but he threw a runner out at second. Um, yeah, well, not bad. The 51s did hit former and now current Mets farmhand Rob Whalen around, um, who was on Tacoma at the time. He gave up eight hits and two earned runs with six runs total over six innings, but they got shut out by the Rainers bullpen, and it was a loss. Um, the Mets recalled Tomas Nito from the 51s and Chris Flexen from the 51s and optioned Buddy Bauman to the 51s, who I forgot existed until I pulled up hmm. this, this farmhand. I forgot he was even on the Mets, like actually on the roster, too. Um, the Rumble Ponies got rained out. Um, they, they played a doubleheader the next day. Um, St. Lucie lost, well, no, they didn't lose because the game got suspended. Um, it only lasted two innings before it rained, suspended the game, where, um, they were losing 2 nothing. They ended up playing a nine-inning game and then a seven-inning game the next day to make up for it. Andres Jimenez hit a double in this, um, suspended game and that was the only, that was one of two hits. Kevin <laughs> Kazmarski was the other one. Hmm. He went one for one. Uh the Columbia Fireflies who were pretty good this year, they got they, they got crushed, basically. It was only five one, but like they had one extra base hit. Um, yeah. so it was one of those like it's five one but it feels like fifteen one. Um 
Blue Jays legend Anthony Kay had five innings pitched. Uh, he gave up seven hits, three runs, none of them earned, and walked two. But he only threw 56 strikes out of 85 pitches in five innings, so it was not his best outing despite not giving up any earned runs. Um, I ended up giving the star because that because that that was it because it was in May and the rest of the teams weren't playing. The star of the night ended up being Ty Kelly, who for the Las Vegas 51s went two for four with two runs, two doubles, and an RBI. So that's how that night was. And um, the goats of the night were every starting pitcher because there was not one good start <laughs> out of any of the out of any of them. So. It was one of those. Um, How do you guys feel about this? I think Ty Kelly should be a Mets minor league legend. Oh, I agree. I, I think I think we should call him a Mets franchise minor league icon. Or <laughs> he's he's reached Chris Mazza levels of. <laughs> he's more of a Met than anything else. I think. Very like, true. Like when I think of Ty Kelly, I'm going to be like, oh, a Met, not like. He got a hit in the wild card game. <laughs> exactly. He started it, didn't he? Did he start? Or did he, uh, I'm gonna have did, to look this up. Thomas, continue. I can't <laughs> remember if he started or pinched it, but he definitely got a hit. But yeah, I liked Ty Kelly. He was he was a fun one. But yeah, um, this this day is pretty indicative of modern Mets minor league stuff where they lose a lot, and it's I'm staying. We were staying up till like 3 a.m. to for the Vegas games to finish. Yeah, that was the worst. Especially when it's like a 10-6 game, like the one that I had. It was pro- I probably went to bed very late this night. <laughs> at the time I was going I was starting work at like 5am so <laughs> I'd have to get up at 4.30 and if the game you know, on average they probably ended about between 1 and 1.30 yeah I would say that yeah so I mean I'd have everything else done but when you when, when you're you know if you're listening and you hear uh, Russ Langer and you start hearing he's getting excited and there's a comeback and whatever you're just like oh god please no please no <laughs> This Vegas uh, batting lineup is pretty funny. It's Matt Dendecker led off. Cody Ashey hit second, um, who I forgot was a Met. Zach Borenstein was on this roster. He went 0 for 4. Christian Colon was the second baseman. Um, Johnny Monell caught, caught the game. He had an error. Um, yeah, that's a lot of who's who of Vegas players, I feel. <laughs> Las Vegas 51's legend, Johnny Monell. Yeah. Yeah, the upper minors are, are have not been a strength of the Mets in in a while. I will say Dash Winningham was still around when I was writing these things. Oh, good. That's he good. He was in advanced A at the time. He was in a, he was in high A ball. He Times were simpler then. <laughs> um, if is, is anyone fun on Columbia? Um, Jeremy Vasquez was around then. Well, he's still around. Um, Jay Jabs got assigned to the Brooklyn Cyclones this day. Hey, Jay Jabs, whose actual name is Jimison. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was my first day. They I, they lost every game that went to completion. Why did you stick around? <laughs> you should have seen what was the writing on the wall, and you said, said uh, "Yeah, right." I was well, like, oh, guys, no. it was fun, well, but I'm out. Well. And if, if if that had happened and you just kind of bailed, one 
one bad thing or one good thing, I guess it depends on how you look at it, is you probably would not be following Rich Steph on Twitter right now. <laughs> that is true. That is definitely true. <laughs> Are you guys ready for a Ty Kelly update? Yes. So, yes, he pinch hit um, for Addison Reed, it looks like. Or, no, for Cindergard when he came out of the game and hit a single off of Madison Bumgarner. So, one of just four hits, the Mets Yeah, managed. not a lot of people can say they've gotten hits off of Madison Bumgarner in the playoffs. Yep. You know, with, with asterisk, as I consider the wild card game to be, you know, playoffs asterisk, or just playing regular playoffs. So, not bad. Hey, everybody, and I'm now being joined by Michael, who runs the Adopt an MILB Player Twitter account. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good, Steve. So you began this account about a month or two ago, and, you know, I've seen a lot of guys that you've helped. Um, so what inspired you to start this whole campaign? Uh, it all started kind of when my uh, father was diagnosed with cancer, uh, lung cancer about four months ago. Um, you know, we were going through all the process of, of having the uh, cancer removed. And when they had done the um, testing for uh, his limbs to see if there was anything else, they found more. Uh, so in kind of um, my family's uh, life, it, you know, things were just kind of rough and we kind of, I kind of needed to win. So uh, during all this, I had, seen on Twitter a lot more stories about how the minor leaguers aren't getting paid. And when you really focus on the stories, it, it hits you because I think a lot of us fans really don't or didn't realize how bad it got for some of these, these players that weren't the bonus babies, the ones that didn't get the millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars signing bonuses, the guys are, who maybe got a thousand or less or the senior signs who, who literally got nothing. It's, Hey, uh, you can sign for us for free or, you know, not get not play so um i was following a uh former twins player minor league player called uh named todd van steensel uh he's an australian born um player who's now in independent leagues around the midwest but uh, i asked if i could help him and then after that i said you know what give me a couple players from the from the twins organizations because i know you know some guys that I'd li i'd like to help too if that's okay and from there, I said, you know, why don't I create a, a Twitter profile and see if there's anybody else like me and see if I can work kind of that player to player word of mouth and see if we can kind of hook people up one on one. And it's honestly, it's it's blown up more than I could have ever imagined. That's pretty inspiring. Um, how many guys, you know, estimate do you think you've helped so far? We are roughly, um, on my end, I, I have one guy that's kind of helping me out with the Padres organization, but combined with me and him, we're at about 94 players helped already, uh, in less than a, in about a month. And wow. it's just, it's, it's blowing up. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, it's blowing up very, very big now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, the number we've already reached. Well, like I said, we're about to reach a hundred. Um, and it's just, it's quite a, it's quite a number to hit already. So, and honestly, like I, I just want more. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, baseball is obviously a, a kind of very different beast from any other kind of job out there. You know, it's a very athletic oriented thing. So what kind of stuff are 
the plays you they're asking for or what kind of stuff are you, you know, giving them with the donations right. that you received? Right. So let me tell you a bit about the whole thing. So when we do get these sponsors, that's what we call them um, for adopting a minor league player. Uh, they're expected, you know, for to, to send like care packages, gift cards, maybe sometimes a little bit of money here and there um, for the season to kind of take care of them from start to finish. And um, it just kind of depends on the player uh, preferences themselves. That's why when I set them up, I have them, hey, talk to each other, see, you know, gauge what the player needs and, and go ahead and send it out. Um, and then, yeah, they, they, it creates this one-on-one relationship, uh, that really has hit, um, struck a nerve or not a nerve, but really, uh, has kind of driven these fans to want to do it because it's not just a GoFundMe where you have to just give money, um, and you don't even get to see where your money goes. It's, you know, they get to decide what they send the player. They get to send in themselves. So they know where that money's going and they get that, that direct kind of sense of, 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 you know, of that good feeling. But it also, you know, sometimes it's, it's develop, developing this relationship with the player. Now you can watch grow up in the farm, you know, and kind of keeping track of, of his career. Um, so we have that. And then for those people, you know, who can't quite afford to do the, uh, the whole full commitment of the season. We have a, a separate donation site, which is tax deductible under um, a, a company that I'll tell you about in just a little bit um, that's set up that they can donate a little bit. Um, and what we do with that is once we achieve a certain amount, we're we're doing we're getting special cases, special cases, maybe a player uh, we just had who who's a minor league free agent. He's trying to come back from injury. The guy's throwing 98, 99 miles an hour, but he hasn't to have a club yet. Um, and his wife is five weeks from, from, you know, giving birth. She's due soon and he's 200 bucks behind on rent because he had to take a week off to go throw in Florida for these teams. Um, and now he told me without, are we just uh, got him a, a, we raised a thousand dollars for him. And without that, he said he could not go back and throw more because there's a couple other teams that wanted him to throw for them and he wouldn't have been able to do it had we not raised that money for him. So wow. we just keep, yeah, we keep getting like, it, you know, these, these, special cases. So we'll keep doing that. So if you don't want to uh, commit for the full, just donate a little bit to our, uh, our donation site and we'll help uh, players from there too. That, that is really incredible. Um, obviously the reactions from the players must be very positive, huh? Oh, very much so. Very much. <laughs> I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of players who just tell me some of them who don't even need help. They're just coming to tell me, uh, how, how much they appreciate, you know, guys like us, you know, doing this for them, um, and thinking about them, um, and the, and their teammates. So, um, and which is why now, um, the other thing is I partnered up with a, a company called, uh, more than baseball.org. It's a non-profit organization that's just like, uh, what I'm doing. They, they were made to help, uh, minor league ball players with financial advice, um, for, I think for free legal advice, uh, and helping them in different other ways, uh, getting them discounted supplements and, and equipment, um, cause companies are coming to them and, and so they're getting them discounts and all that kind of stuff and helping them out. So when they heard about us, they, they asked, Hey, can we partner up? And I said, you know, for sure, anything that's going to help this grow and help the more, the most, you know, players that I can help. So for anyone out there listening that wants to donate and sponsor a player for either the year or just a one-time sponsorship, however they want to do it, how can they? 
Uh, all you got to do is uh, come on to Twitter, uh, follow us uh, at Adopt M I L B Player, uh, and uh, just uh, DM me if you want to sponsor. Uh, I do my best to try to hook you up with your favorite team. Uh, so a minor from minor league from uh, from your team, if I can't. Uh, and if you're willing to just do and help anybody, I can definitely help that too. Otherwise, there is a donation site that I pinned at uh, the top of my profile that you can go in and, and donate anytime. And like I said, I guaranteed that will help some of the special cases that we may need a little bit more than just a care package or two. Well, Michael, thank you for your time. And obviously, I speak on behalf of, of everyone here at Amazing Avenue, all of our readers, all of our listeners on the podcast here, everything. Thank you for everything you've done for these guys. And thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. One more thing, just to let you guys know, we do need more Met fans. We have a bunch of Yankees we've been helping out, so we need the other side. We need some more of those (laughs) Met fans to help out some of those Met players. All right, guys. Well, you heard the man. We need some more Mets fans out there. So everyone, please, if you can, get out there and donate if you are able to. Michael, thank you a lot. Thank you, Steve. All right, well, does anyone have any last words for the week? Real fast, who had the better career by F4, Matt Harvey or Mark Pryor? Probably Harvey, because I feel like he was around a little longer, just kind of scraping yeah. and struggling to get by, but at least still playing. So actually, the, the longevity of Harvey's career played against him. Ah. Because Pryor has a much shorter career, but has about two extra F4 solely because Harvey was a below-replacement-level pitcher for, like, you know, two of the three previous seasons. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah, so. Yep. (laughs) I'm going to go down my tears. (laughs) When you you put it that way. All right, if anyone has any questions or comments, you could send us an email at our email address from complex2queens at gmail.com. Or you could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there if you don't already. I am at Steve Seipa. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSZN. Subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, and rate and review them, please. And obviously, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week with some more prospect going-ons. And until then... Love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>